Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. Welcome back to part two of 10 mistakes that homeowners make with their trees. Joined again by Dash Gank from the Davy Tree Expert Company. He's out of Portland. What's next on your list, Dash? Cutting roots. That's a big one. Oh, yep. I mean, I, I see it so many times where I'll go to a property and the homeowner's like, look at these roots. And most of the time, they're their neighbor's trees. For some reason, people love their trees, hate their neighbor's trees. It's a, it's a weird thing that I that I've come to discover, but it's always the neighbor's the neighbor's tree roots are always doing something, whether it's pushing up the driveway or, you know, they just don't like the roots, whether they're not even de- causing damage and they want to just, let's just cut them. Let's just cut them right there at the property line. And uh, that, you know, as you know, that's really bad, you know, and, and, you, and when it comes to root pruning, you got to be really careful. You got to be, you know, it's better to excavate and see what you're cutting, but, but uh, oftentimes homeowners just cut cut roots because they don't like them and they don't realize how negatively, how can negatively affect their tree's health. You know, and I see that I get a lot of questions about maples with those roots way up high and, you know, people want to bury them or they want to cut them or it's the same sort of thing. So that's a great one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's mind blowing. I, there was one, (laughs) there was one property that I, that I looked at the, it was about a year or so ago, some sweet gums, sweet gums, and they have really aggressive roots and it was pushing up the sidewalk. And, and I looked at that, those roots and they were, it was like a foot away from the trunk of the tree. And I told the, I told the the homeowner, like, I just can't do it. I mean, I, that's, I'm not putting my name on that. I'm not cutting that root. Who knows what could happen? The tree could fall over, could die. I'm just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put my name on that one. And, and, uh, you know, I explained to her why and she accepted it. And then, you know, like a month later, the city came out and did it. They just they just cut everything and re, redid the sidewalk. And I thought, well, I guess I got higher standards than, than them. Well, thank goodness you have higher standards. Uh, because I see that all over the place. Not just with that sort of thing, but, you know, I've got a municipal building behind me where they're, they're, they're trimming magnolias with the buds still on them. I'm like, wait, wait a week and a half, then trim them. I know they're going over the window. They're planted in the wrong place. But it's somebody who doesn't have your expertise, you know? They're, they just see a problem. They said, well, come on, we'll just, we'll just dig into it. We'll cut it. We'll put a new sidewalk in. What's, what's it going to be in 10 years? Right. You know? All right, let's keep going on our list. This is good stuff. I'm enjoying this. So number eight is, I guess, it's, eh, we kind of touched base on this one a little bit, but there are certain trees or plants or hedges that do need annual pruning. I, I think typically we tell people pruning trees every three to five years, but there are a variety of things that we do in this industry that need annual or even even twice a year pruning. And that would be like your 
laurel hedges, maybe yeah, definitely your your hedge your hedge work. You know, laurel hedge, arb hedge, even like cypress or cedar hedge. People don't understand that the trees they grow, you know. And so if you want to you if you want that hedge to take that space and you don't want it to keep growing, you have to push it back year after year. And it's one way that you can keep a plant small. It's still going to grow out, but what will happen is, you know, some will call us and they haven't pruned their hedge for three or four years and they want, let's get it back to here. And it's like, you, you do understand that the green is only the first six, seven, 10 inches. There's just nothing left back there. And so that that's a common mistake that people don't realize just that the plants interior usually isn't, there isn't usually greenery in the interior. It's all on the outside. And if you let that grow past a point where you want it, you know, you're, it's going to outgrow the spot. You might have to start over, remove it. You may have to deal, you know, if it's a shrub that will, that can handle that type of pruning and grow back, you're going to be dealing with a pretty ugly shrub for, for a season or two. So, so knowing the plant you have and the needs of pruning and, and more of like what you need it to do, if you need it to be this big and you want it to stay that big for, for as long as you can, you got to prune it. You need to make up a sign for every arborist wall that says people don't understand plants grow <laughs> because that is a great one. Like you said, you know, when you want to keep a, a hedge looking just right, like you said, sometimes it's twice a year. And if you wait, like you said, three years, getting it back, it, it's a challenge. Yeah. It's really hard. It's real. And it's, yeah. And, and it, it it's amazing how much real estate a hedge can take over in your property. Like, you know, it can take over your flower beds. It can take over your grass. You lose that area because those hedges will just, they'll just keep going and going and going. You know, we've got laurel hedges that are 15 feet deep now, you know, that's just how it goes. <laughs> okay. We're getting towards the end. What do we got left? Uh, this is kind of a fun, a fun one for us, but it's, um, a common mistake that homeowners make is starting projects they can't finish. <laughs> so, All right, I'm in there. <laughs> so you got me again. <laughs> and you know there, there's a couple reasons why I think they should always look into like asking a professional first. So one, the the most dangerous, of course, is starting a removal that they have no business doing, and then they get themselves in a situation where. It's dangerous for them to continue and it's dangerous for the pros to finish it because they've got maybe some really questionable cuts on the trunk. Maybe they got the pie cut wrong or they, you know, that's, that's the, the worst of it where they start something they can't handle and they put themselves in a really dangerous situation and there may not be a good solution to overcome what they've already started. More of the simpler terms and maybe not as like dire, but um, we'll have people call us and say, Hey, I removed my tree. It's all on the ground. I've cut it up. Can you come and just clean it up? And I get there and I explain to them, yeah, I can do it. But just for the future, if you would have let us come out and just remove this tree and clean it up as we removed it, it would be cheaper than us cleaning up what you have left because the branches are tangled together. It's a huge pile of mess. It's hard to get through. You know, there is a system to the way we do things. And so, you know, that's a uh, that's a common one that I get where people will just call and want us to clean up something that they've started and they don't realize that 
it would have cost them the same or less just to have us do it from the beginning. And you know, I, I think this happens more when you're younger, but there's always some friend or neighbor or something that, that you bring up this project to on the tree and they look at it and they're just like, Oh sure. No, you can, you know, don't do, don't hire anybody. And you're like, sure. You're, are you, uh, okay. And then you get into it and you know, if you could just talk a little bit about the importance of, of having a, a pro at least look at it before you attempt something like this. It, it, I, I'm not kidding you that, that I've seen one person almost kill themselves up in a tree for no reason. This was, this was ridiculous. You, you, you've got money. You, 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 you could hire somebody. Why risk your life at the top of a tree when you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. It's, it's, it is scary. It is scary. I mean, so many times I'm driving through the neighborhoods. I see like someone up on a ladder in the middle of a tree, cutting branches from a ladder. And I just, you know, I'm just like, Oh, I'm horrified. I don't want to watch. Cause I know, I know it just takes someone doing a wrong cut and that branch is going to take that ladder right from underneath them. You know, I see, you see that enough. And it's, I get, especially where we work now, where I'm working now in the Pacific Northwest and the Portland area in Oregon and, and Washington, people have a very much of like a can do attitude, which is, I think is really great. You know, like they can handle a lot of problems. They can do it. They, 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 they're, they know enough. Maybe they know maybe too much for their own good, but they have this <laughs> self-reliance up here. And sometimes it can get you it can get you in trouble. Um, it, it's remarkable how uh, people don't respect the danger involved in tree work and climbing a tree, working with a chainsaw, <clears throat> let alone a chipper. Um, you know, and I guess maybe it's just for us who are in the industry that have seen the worst of it and, yeah. and, and in it day to day, we know what the consequences of just one, one mistake can make. Well, I've certainly learned my lesson. I have a can't do attitude when it comes to my trees. I just can't tell you how good it feels to have somebody that knows what they're doing come and look and, and take care of this stuff. Uh, I had a big oak down at the bottom of my driveway removed recently by Davey. And it was three, four-man operation with ropes. And, and I'm just like, oh. And, and how, you know. How could I just couldn't imagine how a regular person could try a, a job like this? And it was just, it was a relief to see it done right. I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, uh, yeah. So that, that was my number nine. That the pro project, starting projects that can't finish, or maybe even starting projects that have no business in trying. <laughs> All right, finish this off. Then what's left? All right, the last one is a little more. It's kind of a sneaky one that that people don't know about and that's construction damage like okay. how bad construction on a property can affect your trees whether it be a new driveway a patio a new lawn um, just any changing any changes to the environment around the trees can be so detrimental to a tree's health and it's something that that can happen or, or at least won't show in the tree for several years after the project you know we go to a project, the trees look, or we go to a property, the tree is just looking really stressed out. And uh, I kind of look around and this looks like an addition. And that's the thing. First thing, well, 
you know, how long has it been since you put this in? Oh, well, three, four years ago, that's probably what did it. You know, like that stuff can really, really hurt the trees. Even simple stuff is like, I used to drive a concrete mixer truck back in another life and like wash out, like just washing out a concrete solution, like cleaning out your truck underneath a tree or next to a tree or that has to go somewhere <laughs> and that will seep down into the root zone. The trees will pick it up. It can be harmful to your tree. So even something as simple as like washing, you know, a painter washing his tools underneath your tree, uh, like all of that can have a negative effect, especially the, the additions, the remodeling, the, the paving, the, the concrete work, all of that can be really bad for trees and it won't even show up for years until years after. And I guess the same thing would be true of construction, like a big truck driving over where the roots are and compressing. Is that the same oh, sort of compaction? Yeah. Yep. Root comp soil compaction, the whole bit. Yeah. I mean, you, you imagine having, you know, a big truck drive over your, your root zone or your property to, to pour a slab of cement. And we're talking, you know, 80,000 pound vehicle back and forth. I mean, you're going to push all that space out of the soil and that, those roots need that space in the soil to thrive. It needs air. It needs water. It needs that space. And once it, once it's compressed out, you're going to have a tree that's going to struggle for a long time. And that's a hard problem to fix. Well, Dash, I got to throw out number 11, and I already mentioned it. My son's volcano mulching. Yes. yes. And I, I was at lunch with a friend uh, yesterday, and I was looking across the street, and I bring it up, and he goes, what are you talking about volcano mulching? I just said, turn around, look at that. And he's like, oh, yeah. He goes, I see that all over my neighborhood. I said, yeah, we all see it over the neighborhood, and it's a bad thing for a tree. And one of the theories that I got from an arborist was that when these guys show up to do this job, they've got a truckload of mulch they don't want to take back with them. And that's how it's ended up on the top, on, on the way too high in the bottom of these trees. But that's something that I, I, I talk about with the Davy guys constantly and, and the irony is just like your sister is planting one way. My son is volcano mulching and he doesn't want to hear it from me. I, I, I don't know. Like I'm sure there was a reason long ago why they thought that was a good idea because it seems, you know, it, tree work is a science and it evolves and things that they did 20 years ago, we don't do now. So I wonder what the reasoning was behind it. I, I sometimes wonder if it had, Something to do with like when we do applications or even water, say we're doing like a, a growth inhibitor, we do make like a dam around the tree to make sure that the chemical doesn't run where we where we don't want it to. And I wonder if like over time, like kind of making a little bit of a ridge around the tree to hold the product or even water there kind of developed into this ornamental volcano mulch like i mean i don't know why or where but I, there had to be a reason when they started that i don't i don't know it's, like it's keeping up with the joneses one guy puts up a volcano another guy wants krakatoa you know it just, <laughs> every, these neighborhoods I, I drive through and i'm just like you're not doing your trees any favor by volcano mulching them no no I, and i guess if you want to put a number 12 on the list this is super important and and it's something when I, one of the mistakes that, that they make, or, or maybe it's a mistake because they don't do it. It is just like trees do need fertilizer, you know, not fertilizing your trees, specifically in your like 
your ornamental trees around your yard, the ones that you, you, you know, you got this tree because you like the way it looks and it's the signature piece of your yard. Fertilizing is important. I mean, if you think about just the construction process of building a home, you know, they, they dig a hole, they strip everything away. They, the chemicals, the compact, I mean, it's so invasive in your soil. And then they just backfill with whatever they have. And then, you know, we have this lawn and these leaves, we have gardeners come in, everything gets taken away. There is no natural way for soil nutrients to be put back into the soil. So we have to do it for the trees. It's just, it just doesn't get done naturally anymore. We don't live on a forest bed where we can just let the ground cover do its thing. And so that's one mistake that, you know, I think a lot of people make is that trees do need fertilizer. You know, they, they do, <laughs> they need it. So we started trying to get to 10. Now we're at 12. I have a feeling if we kept chatting, I think we'd get to about 18, maybe 19. <laughs> Probably could. Yeah. Hey, I, I do want to ask you a little bit about your job and, and how you got into it and why it's right for you. Okay. Sure. Um, so I, I came, a, I, I don't think I was a very traditional route into this industry. It was just kind of happenstance where I, I, I don't want to say I fell into it, but it was definitely not the plan. Um, I was going to university. I was going to be an, an accountant. That's what I was studying for. And, uh, you know, like so often, I kind of had like a midlife crisis, I guess you can say. You know, I was in my uh, late 20s and I, and I kind of wanted to change of pace. And so a friend of mine who'd gone to school and graduated with a horticultural degree, he, he took a job in California at the San Francisco Davy Tree Office as, a, you, know, you know, he took a job there to, be, to move up as like in the sales arborist and to kind of take that path. And he said, hey, you're looking for a change. Why don't you, why don't you come out to California for like a year or two and just take a break from school and I'll get you a job. You can start dragging brush, you know, you can drive a truck. I know you're a hard worker because I work construction, you know, most, I put myself through college just working construction. So I said, sure. Great. Yeah. Why not? San Francisco sounds like a fun place. So I moved out there, started working for Davy tree in 2009. And, um, you know, I found out that I kind of had a knack for it. You know, I enjoyed the work. It was fulfilling. I liked the company I was working for. And so, you know, this temporary, just a little like vacation from my life turned out, turned out to be probably the best decision that I ever made because, you know, from that, I, I moved up the ranks. I, I started, you know, not only just doing groundwork, but climbing, doing some plant healthcare work. And then just over time, I, I became an ISA certified arborist, got promoted to a sales job, and then, you know, another promotion to assistant manager, and then the final promotion where I'm at now is as, as a manager. And I did that all in the span of 10 years. So, um, yeah, it was not your traditional path. I, I, at least I don't think so, but it's one that I like to share often, especially with the employees that work for me. Like, you know, I'm not anything special, you know. I just put the work in um, and I had, you know, there was a clear path put in front of me and it said, if you want to do this, you need to do this. And so all I did was just those steps. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. And David Tree is such a great company to work for with so much opportunity and so much room for growth and, and, and upward mobility that, you know, I just, just tell all my employees, you know, look at me, you're, 
probably smarter or harder working than I am. So if I can do this, anybody, anybody can achieve that. It just takes some work. And so that's, that's kind of how I got into the, the industry. And I'm really glad I, I did because it did just, it just kind of clicked for me. It just seemed right. Well, I'm telling you what, after our talk today, I think you are a little bit special there. I think you got a lot of good stuff going on. I, I, I really loved what we went over today. This is going to be so helpful to homeowners in when they're thinking about working in the landscape. I appreciate your time. And like I said, that was a lot of fun, Dash. Hey, thank you, Doug. I appreciate it. It was, it was very enjoyable. Yeah, I'm glad I got the opportunity. What did you think of our first two-part podcast? I really enjoyed it. Remember to tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Next week, it's all about how to identify trees and looking for signs of stress trees. As always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer. <laughs>